In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One who has come in order to give us success. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, it might sound a little bit weird to think that what Jesus has come in order to give you is success. Because that doesn't seem like a Jesus thing in some way, unless you, you know, listen to certain televangelists. But it, it kind of doesn't feel like, you know, that, that Jesus is, is here to give us success. Jesus, you know, we, we would probably shy away from somebody who said that Jesus is here to make sure that you get an A in all of your classes. That Jesus is here to make sure that at your next employee review that that all goes well for you. But in some ways, that, that's kind of what he's here for. That's kind of what he's talking about when he says that he's going to forgive us of our sins, that he's going to give us life in perfection. Now, it's sort of retrofitted perfection, and that means that we have to go through some of the failure, but it is a life of perfection that he's handing to us as his people, and that that is going to finally reach its culmination when we're in the resurrection together. But here on this side of the resurrection, well, we're used to failure. We're used to losing. We're used to not living up to our own expectations and certainly not living up to the expectations of other people. And when somebody says that God is here to give you success... Well, maybe you shy away from that because you know that your life is not filled with success and you're kind of worried about what the implications are then. If you don't have success, does that mean that, well, God doesn't like you? Well, don't worry. God loves you. But it can be sort of a jarring thing, especially when you look at the readings that we have for today. Readings that we have for today, you start off with this guy named Jonah, who is no stranger to failure in any way, shape, or form. He's no stranger even to sin. He's no stranger to being afraid of his own weaknesses. But we don't get that in this reading. No, in this reading, we get Jonah living his best life now. We get Jonah going into the streets of Nineveh. The streets of a foreign power that hates his nation. He walks into this gigantic city. This city that the scripture tells us takes three days to walk back and forth in between. That's got to be like Miami or Jacksonville or something. This huge city and all he's doing is calling out and saying, repent. You have 40 days, repent, turn this sucker around. And you can imagine the first time he says this, he maybe kind of says it under his breath. Because he knows that that is not a message that a lot of people want to hear. I mean, it's probably not a message you want to hear. And it's not a message that you probably think that a lot of people around you want to hear. 
unless you're one of those guys who randomly, during different points of the year, stands on the corner of Maycomb and Tennessee with a big sign. Maybe they think you want to hear that. But Jonah's walking three days across this city saying, Repent! And it works. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine if those dudes that are on the corner of Macomb and Tennessee, right there by the Popeyes, with their big signs saying, Repent, that people are just pulling over their cars left and right and going, How do I do that? What even does that word mean? Is it like repent? Do I change my pants? What is that? And you go, wow, that's, how does that happen? Because everybody in Nineveh repents. The king de- declare, declares that everybody in Nineveh is to repent. They're, they're to put away their, their evil ways. And we go, I, I don't know how to do that. I, I don't even know how to talk to my neighbor. I don't know how to talk to the person who, who's next to me in class. I don't know how to talk to people in, in a way that gets across that, Christ, that I believe that Christianity is actually a good thing because I don't know that they believe that. And I especially don't think that they're going to believe that if I just come to them and say, Repent! And then you've got Jesus. Now, we kind of go along with this with Jesus, right? Because he's Jesus after all. But if you think about it from just the perspective of what this looks like to everybody else around Jesus and around this seashore of Galilee, this looks crazy. Jesus is going to small business owners. And he is going... Hey, follow me. And they do it. I mean, that'd be like walking through College Town and walking into the Brooklyn Bagel Place and and saying to the person who's the manager there, Hey, you're done here. Come and work at the church. And them going, Yeah, that sounds great. I'll do that. By the way, you're not going to get paid. That's cool. It sounds nuts, doesn't it? And the reason that we don't do these things, the reason that we're not calling people to discipleship, the reason that we're not calling people to repentance, the reason that we're not telling people about the gospel, about what we believe, about this great news about Jesus Christ, that he has said that he has come so that we will not fail. The reason that we don't do that is that we kind of question if we're going to fail. And we don't want that on us. And we, we don't want to be the person who goes and says, well, this is what I believe, and then you mess it up somehow, and then afterwards the person, you know, signs off on Christianity even more so. You probably don't want that. You, you probably don't even want it at a level that, that is outside of Christianity. You probably just don't want that person to be like, well, that person is kind of crazy. 
And all of those are failures that you're, you're afraid of. You're, you're afraid of the failure of this speaking the gospel thing. It's a failure that, that I'm afraid of. That I'm afraid of when I get on an airplane like I will next week. And every time that I get that person who sits next to me who doesn't have the big Bose earphones that they put on right away, they're always the answer to prayer, like, oh, thank you. They don't want to talk to me. But instead, a lot of times, because the Holy Spirit likes to mess with me, He puts somebody next to me who asks me what I do for a living. To which sometimes I confess, I go, well, you know, I kind of run a medium-sized nonprofit. <laughs> oh, yeah, what do you do? Well, a lot of stuff on the weekends. Uh, we, we do some counseling. We, we do some other kind of work, helping the poor and then things like that. Um, and uh, we work with a lot of college students. It's a great thing. Oh, well, what's it called? Oh, uh, University Lutheran? <laughs> Oh, you're, you're a pastor. Yeah. But sometimes that's, that's the thing. Sometimes the reason that we're so afraid of failure is that we ramp up the stakes too much in our own mind. And what we're called to do is not to have that person who's sitting next to me on the plane, all of a sudden, you know, cry out and, you know, I'm, I'm hailing the stewardess and saying, hey, can you bring me some water so we can baptize this person? <laughs> Instead, it's just, hey, I'm a pastor and, and hey, I'm a Christian. Hey, this is what I believe. And for some people, that's going to be something where they're like, man, I, I, I don't know about that. I don't, I don't know what Christians really believe. And that gives us the opportunity to just have that conversation. Because here's the thing. Is that the failure is actually just not talking. That God actually says that He's going to take whatever you say to that person and He's going to somehow use it. Now, maybe He's going to use that as a negative example in their life. And He's going to say, hey, you re- remember that crazy person that you talked to? Well, uh, my kingdom is not like that crazy person. But maybe He just uses you as somebody who is kind of a chill Christian who knows that you're not going to fail, who isn't afraid of failure, because you're not afraid of sinning. You're not afraid that by saying, I'm a Christian, that that is going to somehow negatively impact the kingdom, that by saying, I'm a Christian, that that is not somehow going to even negatively impact you, but it's just going to be a part of your story. That's what David is talking about in this reading from the Psalms, that he's just being him. He's just saying, this is who I am, and this is what I believe, and this is how this all works out in my head. 
And yeah, I don't know everything, and I'm not supposed to know everything, but this is just what I've seen, and this is the God that I trust, and this is why I trust Him. And you can't go wrong with that. And even if you do, even if you mess up the words, even if you, you know, tell them to read Leviticus as the first thing in the Bible that they're ever going to look at, which is, I would say, is, is close to failure. God's going to use that. Because God's promise for you is this. That even your failures are wiped away. Even your sins are wiped away. And so go out there and try failing. Because that's the first thing that I'm going to do in the resurrection. The first thing that I do when I get to the resurrection and we're, we're, you know, we're over all of the sort of initial celebrations and things and it just finally gets down to, all right, how do I live in this thing that goes on for eternity? The first thing that I'm going to try to do is fail. And it's going to be impossible. It's going to be crazy because I am going to do things like try to sing. And it's going to work. That's where we're headed for. And that is what God wants us to try right now. So may you this week, may you go out there and try to fail. And some of you, most of you, all of us will succeed at one level or another. But know that God is right behind you, cleaning all of that up, using what's there for somebody else. So that your failure is no longer failure, but it's just another part of his kingdom. Amen.